The Drop with Frank and Brian is officially brought to you by Switch Suspension. Switch Suspension specializes in all vehicle chassis components. Lift kits, lowering kits, air ride suspension, wheels, tires, steering, and brake upgrades. They use all the best products from the best brands. And these guys are truck guys. You roll into their parking lot at the shop and they all drive custom vehicles. So they use their products that they sell on their own vehicles. So if you guys are looking for anything for your vehicles, whether you're just starting out or you just need some replacement parts or whatever, give them a call or visit their website, switchsuspension.com. Okay. Let's, uh, we don't need to say it's our second one of the day because nobody knows. No one knows that. This is, this is that. airing at a completely different time. But <laughs> welcome to this week's show. Welcome to the Drop of Frank and Brian. Brian Frank. And our guest today is Chris Dunlop. You may know him much better as Pinstripe Chris on Instagram. He does amazing art. Uh, we're sitting here in his, in his uh, studio space in Orange County. It's so cool. Got a really cool car behind us. Um, and if you, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I wonder what that looks like. Come over to the YouTube channel <laughs> and check it out. Yeah. But what's up, Chris? How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going real good. Actually. Nice. Nice. Uh-huh. So, um, we just, I guess we'll just start off really simply with just, well, I, I was telling him before we were, while we were setting up that he is our first guest. Mm -hmm. That's not a mini trucker. That's not right. like I've met. I met Chris through many, like the trucking thing with through the people, yeah. mutual friends, yeah. but he himself did not like used to have a truck and got into this or mm -hmm. that's how we like mostly never know even people. heard a mini truck until I moved to the West coast. Oh really? It's <laughs> not a thing where I'm from. You know, that's what he told me. He's all like, yeah, Chris, you know, coming from back East. I was like, I just figured you're a California dude the yeah. whole time. I wish. Yeah. That would have been so much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's put the mic. Let's go down with yours, Chris, a little down, like point it down. Keep going, keep going, and then put the mic up like that so we could see your, like, twist this. There we go. There we go. Okay. All right, cool. I was, like, staring at you. I was like, I just see a microphone. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, I, yeah, that's, uh, let's kind of start from there. Yeah, let's start right there. So, Chris. I'm not a mini trucker. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not a, you're not a mini trucker. You're I'm not, not a, from California. I'm not, uh, you don't you don't I'm not against mini trucking. <laughs> I'm just, I don't come from that world. Do you oh. own any dicky shorts? I don't think I've ever owned any. You know what? To be honest, those things are just. Cardboard. I can't believe <laughs> right. wearing those yeah. things. I've heard if you wash them and you run them through a little bit, they get better, they get softer. But no, no, not not your not, not your style. Wear. No, no. But that's the thing. That's was the thing about Dickies. Like when I was growing up, is like the more rigid and more crisp well, and the more creased they were, like the better they were. <laughs> it seems so. like you haven't washed your clothes for a while. <laughs> it feels like. Just getting a little Fools crispy. are out there putting starch back on it <laughs> yeah. and, and ironing it out. No, so I think they're cool. I just every time I try a pair on, because everyone's always stoked on it, I'm just like, I can't walk around in these and not feel weird. You just feel like you're just walking <laughs> around like yeah. this, straight yeah. leg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they look great. I'm just yeah, it's just they're too firm for me, man. Yeah, Frank doesn't wear dickies though. I don't know. I haven't worn dickies in a long time. I'm a a Volcom. <laughs> We're gonna get in the weeds about it. I'm a Vol <laughs> I'm a Volcom. Uh, Pant kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why specifically. It's not like I have some sort of like allegiance to Vol the Volcom <laughs> yeah. brand. It's just they're always kind of on sale. <laughs> that makes 
makes sense. <laughs> so I mean, eh. I always think that like something that a lot of people really, really like, I have trouble enjoying because everyone's already decided it's cool. What do you need me for? You guys already know it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why do I want to join your cult? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good way to put it. I, I, like I wear that. dickies. Cool I know, as Brian, oh, no, yeah, as Brian's wearing dickies. Yeah. Cool We're just roasting the shit out of them. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I just don't own any. Whatever's comfortable. So let's start with where, like, where you're from, the beginning, kind of mm-hmm. like a uh, brief history. I'm from history. Uh, Maryland, the, the Maryland side, just outside of Washington, D.C. So I grew up on the East Coast. Uh, yeah. And so I grew up there, but also lived in the Midwest, lived in the South, lived uh, um, north, northeast of the East Coast. All around, I've been here like eleven years. Oh, really? Yeah. That's actually not that long. I would just, I, I guess I assumed you all wrong because I figured one year California guy. Okay, maybe not, but it maybe you've been here for like twenty years or so oh, or whatever. Man. I wish. I wish I'd gotten here sooner. I wanted to get here sooner, but mm-hmm. uh, when everybody's life journey just takes them on these all these side quests that so, sometimes get you there, but yeah, not in a straight line. So growing up in Maryland, did you know that like I, you're gonna like? This place sucks. I'm gonna move to the West Coast, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad uh, saying this to people that like love Maryland. I hated it. I <laughs> I knew that I didn't want to stay there. It's just got a different vibe. Um, yeah, I think it's different now than it was because a lot of places just change over time. But I think I like to think that most people should leave where they're from initially. Uh-huh. The world is big. There's somewhere out there for everybody. I just didn't really like much about where I'm from to be honest yeah uh, and there wasn't like a huge car scene or anything like that and I always liked cars when I was a kid so uh and I always had California in my mind ever since I was a kid hmm. yeah then you made it out here yeah I did I mean like I said I didn't come straight out here I did I lived in St. Louis for a couple of years so um, did you make the journey from started it in Maryland and then kind of hop skipped and jumped and ended here or did you kind of go zigzag it was a lot of zigzag because I think I lived in Boston for a while before so Boston, then back to Maryland, different parts of Maryland, and then St. Louis, then back to Maryland, and then lived in Northern Maryland before uh, me and my wife moved out here together. Oh, cool. Oh, uh, so, so you, your wife was with you on this yeah, journey? Yeah, So oh, we're both from cool. Maryland. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we came here together. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, so make it out to California. So the... the the thing is, is you're an artist. Like yeah. that's the thing. So like, I, I think maybe like if people aren't completely familiar with, with Chris, yeah. I think that's another good place to start. You're an amazing artist. Well, I appreciate it. And you come up with, uh, it's automotive based art. Um, but you said that when you were growing up, like you were into cars and there wasn't much car culture where you're from. So did you like use drawing and, and creating art as kind of like a, a, a way to like fulfill, you know, or did you that, own like yeah. what did you own cars or or how did it start? And, yeah, but when I started drawing, I mean, I would have been in first and second grade when I started drawing cars. Um, so it was like I always like like Dupont Registry or Motor Trend. There was always between supercars and hot rods and muscle cars. There's stuff that you really wouldn't see that often. You see it occasionally, but really not that occasionally. So the magazines was the only way to see stuff mm-hmm. because this was pre YouTube pre shows that related to everything but i think when i was in maybe middle school or high school is when uh overhauling was happening oh okay so seeing chip foost draw cars and thought, oh that's kind of cool maybe there's maybe there's a pathway for that i really wasn't familiar with the auto industry at the time but um what I, I mean i got into cars by you know i think most people like have hot wheels or rc cars just kind of enjoy the hobby on a small scale what posters did you have on your wall mm. oh man i don't think i really one. had any full posters but i would tear stuff out of magazines that mm. i liked and uh, but I would always draw from these little tiny ads and try to like make this gigantic drawing. 
Um, but that's pretty much all I had. I don't think it really stuck much on the walls. Maybe my own drawings at the time. Uh, but I always just liked a variety of stuff. And right at the end of high school, I, my first vehicle I ever bought was a 69 C10. Oh, really? Oh, and that's cool. Right at the end of having that, I bought a 72. And then that overlapped with a 2001 um, 1500. Um, so I started out loving trucks. Yeah, so you started out as a truck guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but what I really, really wanted was classic Cadillacs, which is so, so far out of my like price capability. Like mid-60s type stuff exactly. or earlier? I was like huge Travis Barker fan, so I just yeah. wanted anything that I saw that guy drive. <laughs> yeah, that's um, cool. So That dude in, in, inspired so many people to like I think so. car culture, art, yeah. you know, music. Like That dude has inspired a lot of people. No doubt. I think, honestly, he brought a lot of recognition to the Cadillac name. Oh, for sure. Sure. Points get enough credit for that, but for sure, boy blasted down his ribs like, Oof. yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And maybe yeah, maybe people feel differently now, but at the time, nobody was nobody really famous was rocking cars like that, mm-hmm. not proudly. Mm-hmm. So that was really really cool. But because I knew I couldn't afford Cadillacs, that pr- kind of led me to to Buicks. So I had a ton of classic Buicks. Oh I really? Love those cars. Yeah. So I was about as close as I can get. But uh, classic American stuff was like to me always going to be a stepping stone. I always wanted like sports cars and exotics, but it was not mm-hmm. like attainable mm-hmm. um, but I love classic trucks which made life both easier and harder later when I was doing a lot of especially C10 artwork did it make you just start like not liking C10s eventually yeah because I had them when I got made fun of for having them because mine were junk they were throwaway <laughs> yeah. my first one was 750 bucks and with my daily driver, and I replaced it with a beautiful 72 that was 1200 bucks no, I was gonna <laughs> say because you were saying how Cadillacs were out of your price range oh yeah if you flip that bet now, oh yeah. the C10s would be out of the price oh, range yeah. as well. Cause yeah. they're, they're insane. Yeah. They're yeah, great. They're, they're beautiful, but yeah. Unless you want like a long bed, like <laughs> something that's not very popular. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, you really can't. Yeah. Well, uh, that's how I ended up with four door cars. Cause like that was my thing. Same like here. I want, I was in the same boat. I had a lot, I've had a lot of vintage Cadillacs over the years. Oh, wow. And, um, that was the thing is like, couldn't afford a, a two door. So got a four door and now I love four door cars, yeah. you know? So I don't know. It's funny how all this stuff like shapes our taste and true, what yeah. we like, you know? Yeah. Not being able to have access to something does give you like, you, you go with what you can work with and eventually somehow everything becomes cool anyway. So that's yeah. true. That's a it's good just point. not when you have it. And I think <laughs> that's a big reason mini trucks were so popular when they were because knew they were cheap, used they were cheap. Yeah, interesting. Same with Volkswagens, right? Yeah. People bought Volkswagens because they were cheap and you could do whatever you want with them. It's true. And uh, you make them unique. I wonder what people would do like if you if they grew up with, I mean, there's people like this. So with a limited, like no, no limits on the money that they had. And then what would they, what would they get if they had no limits on the money? So we're like, we get things cause of the, we're limited on our budget. Of course. So it forces us into something. Sure. Um, but if you had like an unlimited budget mm-hmm. and, but you still had the same mindset, you weren't like a spoiled rich kid that you're just going to get like something crazy. Cause your buddy down the street, that's also rich. Got something crazy. Yes. Like, would you still buy like the C10 or right. the, the Cadillac? Good, like, you question. probably would have bought the Cadillac. At least at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I would always want to have something that nobody else has. Yeah. Right now, a lot of people have C10s. I just don't see myself as interested in that. Be you know, it's cool to have a community around stuff, but once it gets really big, it's no longer niche anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that knowing that I own stuff that's not niche, but just from the point of view, for for the cost of what a nice custom built C10 is, you you could like 
Good. Go to a dealership so, and buy a Ferrari is what you can do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they're two, you know, there's, they're going for 100 plus thousand yeah. dollars. So, and the, I think the people that are buying those aren't buying them because they love C10s. Maybe. Oh. Some people do. Mm-hmm. I just. I mean, I, I think they do, and then they have a lot of money, right? But then yeah. I think there's some that maybe just buy them because their buddies have them. That's true. And a lot of mm-hmm. people do, and there's a lot of really I mean, And I'm not cool saying that this is, these are all bad things or no, anything. Not at no, all. these are. Yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. stating yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's I get just it. kind of the state of the world with it right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing either. Um, what it does is it ruins it for everyone down the line trying to get into the hobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no longer. Now that, let's say, C10s are priced out, what is the next achievable vehicle that people kind of go, oh, I really want that, but, you know, what's the Cadillac for that was for me that I couldn't get? What's the Buick for everyone else right, right now? What right. do you think no is idea. the next achievable vehicle? Gosh, I don't know. Everything has become so popular so quick. It really is, is yeah. Do you think. think it's because being there's a thing where, like, not being trendy is trendy? Of course. It becomes a trend, right? Yeah. So everything's a trend at some point at some in time, point. right? So. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to think of the next thing first. Yeah. And they're buying, they're like getting on stuff and then something blows up and something doesn't. But like, well, mm. because we have social media and we're connected and all the, all the ideas exchange so quickly. In reality, we're only, we're limited to like the last 70 years of vehicles. There's not actually that much to choose from. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Because yeah. there's all, there's 70 years of good. There's a hundred years of vehicles, but there's 70 years of good. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, 10% of them are actually sort of cool to begin with yeah. if you buy something that's really ugly some studebaker that is just absolutely an abomination to begin with mm-hmm. the amount of money that you have to spend to make it cool just outweighs the whole process to begin <laughs> uh-huh. with. it's not turnkey it's yeah, not yeah. it's not i can't i mean you can lower and put wheels on anything in a paint job and most things look pretty good that mm-hmm. way but the problem is a lot of like kind of subculture cars that have such a large asterisk at the end of them you're mm-hmm. like it's cool, but I have to explain a lot to people when I get places. That's kind of that's kind of mini trucks. Yeah, that's kind of mini that's, trucks. There's a cool part to that because yeah. there's something so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, mini trucks. Mini trucks look cool when they're lowered on the right wheels. That's right? true. When you start to overly modify them, mm-hmm. then it becomes almost the explainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like because yeah, a vehicle set up at the right um, height. And the, with the right wheels and all that stuff, and it, it looks great even in factory form with some minor modifications. Like, but then you like say you overly chop the roof, or right? Oh, and that happens shave, really fast. Or you put just these Jeep headlights because no one has Jeep headlights. I'm trying to think of Jeep headlights that I know. Like worm, worm. No worms are uh, FJ Cruisers, I think. Oh, okay. Anyways, I'm not talking <laughs> about you, worm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, He's so like, I'm just thinking, like, I know. But like, okay, so S10s with Cadillac taillights, they look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you take an S10 and you put like weird taillights on there, mm-hmm. then it becomes an explainable object. You have to yeah. explain yeah. why you did it. I think mm-hmm. it's like if you get a tattoo that you really have to explain to people, yeah, it's true. not usually a good sign. Unless <laughs> it's like odd in a cool way, because uh, tattoos can be odd in a cool way. Uh-huh. Uh, like a personal tattoo that you yeah, might not need that to just, explain Yeah, to that's someone. so like, mm, that's interesting. I have to ask that person about it. Like, I've done that before. Yeah. I've, I've straight up asked like people like at the amusement park, I see someone like uh, we were at the amusement park and I saw someone like with a face on it. And I was like, it was so interesting that I had to ask like, <laughs> what, what's going on with that? And he was like, oh, this was my buddy. And he was, he was like wearing a costume or something. But yeah, no, I get that. Hmm. Yeah. That makes a good story especially if the artwork is executed well and the same problem can be done with custom builds if if there's a cool story but the execution is not so good mm-hmm. which there's 
just infinite variables when it comes to quality of build. Um, and there's no, you know, I'm not in charge of the rules. No one's really in charge of the rules. There's not set parameters. But I think as a general aesthetic, we all understand when something just isn't right. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you think that's the human brain? Like, you ever hear that thing where if you look at someone and this side of their face is yeah. this side of their body and this side of their body, but if something's off on one side, it makes you, like, something... It, trick something and trip something uh -huh. in your yeah, brain. Yeah, which mm -hmm. makes sense. And again, it's not like it's not like I've got the universal rules. I'm not, yeah. the, I'm not yeah, gatekeeping no, no, no. what's good and what's yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, build what makes you happy. Because um, there are builds that, um, whether it be a mini truck or anything, um, that are over the top, crazy, modified, but you look at them and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or just a different the approach execution, The execution yeah, exactly. might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might can be. do something really unusual and just be dialed in the details and it can work out great. It's just hard to do that on a budget. So yeah. you get asked a lot to do um, like design renderings, right? Used to. Used to. So oh. this is a subject I want to get into okay. after this question mm -hmm. or after this topic. So when you did that, yeah, were you, were you the idea person? Was they like, hey, I, I don't really know what the design wants. So what, what do you think about shortening this bumper or doing this? Was it like, how was that process? Like, were you giving them ideas or were they giving you ideas or was it a collaboration? Of it the was team? always a combination because there, there are some shops that I got to work with that were like, blank, blank slate, what can we do? And some shops that I work with that had bullet list parameters, here's what we're looking for. Mm. Um, so some shops really knew what they were after and some had some wiggle room to try and figure it out um, or open to feedback. Obviously, early on when I... When no, when I was just doing whatever I could for work, uh -huh, you just did no everything. Reason, there was no reason anyone would take my advice. Mm -hmm. um, I would chime in a little bit, but most of the shops I was working with, even in the beginning, already were established. So I didn't really add any value except I was a person. They just wanted to visually see. Yeah, mm. can you put it together for and us? And you just offered that service for them. At least initially, mm -hmm. um, everything runs its course, and eventually, you're like, all right, now I'm drawing stuff that I don't agree with, oh, and okay. uh, like morally, I don't feel good about this anymore. Mm -hmm. So if it's like. I won't, even today, I won't do a piece of artwork that I'm not going to be proud of in the end. If someone has a suggestion about something and I don't think I can do a good job with it, I don't want to be involved. Not right. because, again, not because I'm the gatekeeper and say, uh, I do a good job better than anybody else. There's an artist out there for every single aspect of things that you want. I just might not be a good fit for that mm -hmm. request. Um, so, yeah, so just got into a better habit of just, starting to say no better, which I think everybody <laughs> needs to learn how to do. That's the exact question. I yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like on the way here, I was like the journey to say, to saying no. Yeah. Is, is one that a lot of people have a hard time getting to, especially mm. if you're a freelancer or you do anything on your own, because in the beginning you want every opportunity that you can, because it's how you're trying to make your living. And all three of us do that yeah. to a certain extent. Like right. I do videos and photos for a living. Frank does, videos and t-shirts you know what i mean and mm -hmm. screen printing and then you do artwork so sure. like we've all dealt with a, a very similar probably client base but yeah. on a different level like and then you get to a point in your career or your path where you have to your your mind is going i have to tell this person no yeah i don't want to i want yeah. the money or i want the opportunity or whatever but it's like 
how hard is that to get to? Because you're a, probably, you're much farther along than both of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my first answer when anyone asks me for something is no. That's where I start now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I rarely do commissions. I rarely do requests. Now, that's not to say that I don't want to. I think it makes the conversation a little bit simpler if you start from no, because my job no longer is, I don't provide a service for people anymore. Okay. I don't do build renderings. I rarely do commissions as paintings. Um, it's not to say that I won't. I just think that for me at this point, it funnels the conversation faster, um, especially the volume of conversations that happen through social media um, to start from a certain parameter so that you can set the conversation up towards, towards a goal for them and for me. Um, but how difficult is that? It's actually really, really difficult. And it's a, it's a long journey. And everybody has that a different tipping point where they kind of go, okay, I've done enough of this to where I kind of need to add my creativity to this one so that I'm still interested because I think I offer something hopefully to this that can elevate what they want. Um, so I should, I should raise my hand and I should say something. And if they say, no, that's stupid. You suck. Uh, let's not do that. You know, it's a little defeating because there's, mm -hmm. there's plenty of people that are going to say no to you at the, in the same process. Mm -hmm. the, the balance is finding a way, especially people that you've worked with for a long time that you have a good relationship with. How do you find a friendly way to say no or a friendly way to say, you know, I really, this isn't something I do anymore. Because um, the problem is if you keep making exceptions, especially for people you worked with forever, you'll never stop making exceptions. That's, that's, that's yeah. Because mm -hmm. it, we've had a relationship for a while. I yeah. have um, an original piece of pinstripe Chris artwork. Nice. That, mm. for, that you did for Chelsea. I oh, think yeah, it was that's for right. Christmas. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's hanging Merc. up in our house. Um, that was, what, 2014, it was a 15. Long time ago. So yeah. it was a long time ago. So between then when you said yes to me now i wouldn't ask you to necessarily do something like that and or even like a t-shirt design you've done a t-shirt design mm -hmm. for yeah me, right? yeah i wouldn't ask you that to do that now just because you're in a different place now true when did that change for you because i don't we've never had that conversation of like when when it changed like when did you something happen in your career definitely path? and was it a personal thing or a business thing it was uh, it was definitely not a personal thing. It was definitely probably a business, social media related type of thing. There's, a, there's always, you know, same with you guys, there's a million moving parts all the time. You know, if you do video, you basically assume that person does photography. If you do photography, you basically assume that person does video or audio or some combination. Same with artistry, especially in the car world. If someone says, uh, if I'm working with somebody and I'm doing renderings a handful of years ago, they probably have the assumption that I can do a t-shirt design for them or I can do uh, other things related to graphic design. And while technically I can, it's also like some, the way that I frame it in my mind when I'm saying no, especially to a t-shirt design or a rendering these days is there's a kid out there just like me that this oh. is their dream job. Mm -hmm. I should let them have this because this is their opportunity to get started. I don't want to half-heartedly do something that somebody somewhere really wants this opportunity to get them started. Um, so, and there's a million people that can do artwork. It's just, you don't need to stretch one creative person's ability to do everything. Because even as I found that I was doing more and being more diverse, I was actually getting further and further away from my end goal. Wow. I was helping everybody do stuff, but not like begrudgingly, but in a really unfulfilling way. I was busy every day. Uh, I was making money. I was doing things. People were getting stuff sort of on time-ish. It was the greatest <laughs> at scheduling. Um, but I, the reason I got into doing what I do was not to work for anybody. And here I was working for yeah. a million people. For a bunch of different stuff. bosses. <laughs> yeah, and I thought at that realization, you kind of go, 
well, this sort of defeats the purpose of what I set out to do. Because mm-hmm. I came from the body and paint world. I did that for almost 10 years before I switched over to artwork. I'm used to having a boss. I'm used to working more than I should and not getting paid. So to roll that into what I'm doing now, I'm like, well, no, no, no. That's, yeah. let's, let's back it up here. So I think it's really important to periodically, you know, a few times a year, really do a good personal check-in and go, you know, am I, am I moving in a direction? Even if I'm off path, is this gig giving me somewhere towards that or am I taking a few steps back and sometimes it's necessary to take jobs that were like you know what sometimes I just need the money I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do a good job of it too but sometimes it's a cool opportunity that you're like hmm, this this only comes up every once in a while I, I want to be the person that does this or the curiosity well or not. factor kicks in mm-hmm. working yeah. with that person sometimes or that somebody group. asks about something that's so offbeat and you're like hmm I can give that a try. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, kind of goes back to it's okay to ask. It is, yeah. But it's also okay to say no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's also okay to hear no. Yeah, and that's the other side. I think hearing no is more difficult. Yeah. It is. For me, it it feels like people take it personally when I say I don't Mm -hmm. do that type of work anymore Mm -hmm. or no longer offer that or that I rarely do commissions because I I don't want people to take it personally because it's not personal. It's, um, you know, what I do is really, really personal to me, so I want to make sure that everything that I'm involved in uh, is substantive and moves me towards what I really, really want to do. And as I started letting go of the things that uh, weren't really satisfying me in the way that I wanted, even though everybody's always worried about, ah, oh, well, if I'm not making that much money, you realize that that 70% of focus that you're putting towards all the other things that aren't related to where you're going to go are taking all that energy away from the, and time oh. away from the things you actually mm-hmm. want to do. If you eliminate all these things, you actually have a lot of free time over here. Sure, it may not pay right away, but the, the thing that you really want to do, whatever it is, you never have full attention to it if you're spread that thin across a million things. Yes, mm-hmm. If I'm doing a bunch of t-shirt designs and renderings throughout the weeks, but my goal is to do paintings, but I can only allocate six hours a week to painting, I'm not actually tasting my dream. I'm right. setting it aside. Um, and that's no fault of anybody else. You should organize your time accordingly. And of course, everybody's parameters for income, uh, what you need to make as a baseline is so different which is why I think keeping your overhead really, really low, especially in the beginning, is super critical. You can shoot videos. You can shoot HD from a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. You can make YouTube videos from a cell phone. You can get pretty decent audio from a cell phone. Yeah. That's you don't why need to go full bore. When anyone asks, what camera should I get? And I go, yeah. what kind of phone do you have? Yeah. Start there. Yeah. You know, I have this. I go, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Depending on what you want to do, he's like, I just want to go to car shows and shoot some video. Just go. You can go get a $150 little gimbal and use your phone and, and start out on that. and. Yep. If you enjoy it, then do that. But yeah, do exactly. not Elevate as you go. If yeah. I think people want to throw in really hard, and that's good that the enthusiasm is there, but you're parting with money right away, mm. uh, so whether you have it or not, whether you're putting it on credit cards. But you're, so you're immediately adding to your overhead without necessarily being sure of your goal. Um, so like if you get a lot of paints, oh, you get the I microphones. Yeah. Everybody is really enthusiastic about their goal kind of until it feels like work. Right. And then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot to put in. And that, I don't want to say it weeds people out. It changes the way you think because all of us have the goals of, of doing really specific. I want to do this, whether it's possible or impossible. But no matter what, even if it's a huge, unachievable dream, it still takes a lot of work to get yeah. there. So you still have to be, whether you have the, the $12,000 camera or the iPhone, you still have to put in the same level of work. So right. subtract the overhead <laughs> and then yeah. you, you So minimize. what you're saying is just like, instead of being so wrapped up in, in like, it, it happens a lot, especially like photography in stuff. Industries. Yeah, like you get wrapped up in the gear part of it that totally. you forget to focus on honing the craft part of it. You've got to be good at what you do anyways. Mm-hmm. The tools that you have 
don't make you good at the thing. Um, so when people are asking me what materials I use, what brushes, what air brushes, those are helpful to a degree because they're tools that uh, to me are tried and true and they work and the paints work good. But I, I think a certain way. So my process is a certain way. We're all mm -hmm. different. We all come from a different experience and we all want to see progress look a certain way. And I think especially with social media, we get wrapped up in seeing somebody's video and you go, I mm -hmm. want my video to look like yeah. that. So mm -hmm. I got to have what this person has. Same with artwork. And it's a really big leap into lots of money before you've even sat down to figure out if you're good at drawing. Right. I think at least 40% of all total camera sales are first time <laughs> are first time buyers. And uh, if you ever want to buy a camera, you can get one used market because that's two years old. That's just fine because oh, yeah. someone somewhere bought that camera. You, you see it when you go on vacation anywhere and you see mm -hmm. the guy with the strap around yeah, his camera yeah. and he's mm -hmm. got a $4,000 camera around his neck mm -hmm. and he's, and you're <laughs> like, that guy just bought that camera cause he probably has a lot of money and he thinks that that's what you need. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're, and if it's what you do for work um, or even if it's a serious hobby and it doesn't overextend you, then yeah. Per perfect. Yeah. It doesn't yes. matter. Then it's totally fine. But if you're, you don't need that. Before. To start out, if you want to do any of this type of stuff as a full-time job, you don't need to start with the equipment. Yeah. The amount of YouTube videos that exist to say, if you want to get started with, uh, with podcasting or vlogging, you need this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's like $15,000 yeah. to get going. Yeah. That's Which, great. That is an industry in its own. It's it like is. motivational speakers. Exactly. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's job that's is really to sell thing. you to, to buy stuff, to the buy other stuff. The motivational, we talk about this quite a bit, is 90% scam because <laughs> they're telling you the most basic things, but they're surrounding it in a way that feels good. Or they That's can true. deliver it in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, so if you need it and you, and you take it in and it helps you. Yeah. Great. The shit is work. It works. It is effective. Yeah. But you gotta know, so you gotta see it for what it is. Exactly. Know mm -hmm. when to draw the line, know when to go, all right, I'm not, I'm not signing up for this course, but I'll listen to this YouTube video. Again. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 If, you're trying, if you have to pay to sign up for a course and or buy brain pills of any sort, <laughs> like it's probably not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, supplements. Like if there's like a asterisk at the bottom of that, mm. like, mm, yeah. 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 Especially if it's subscription based. Yeah. Like, but if it, motivational, if it's like a friendly motivational type thing. Yeah. It's great. A lot of people with experience have a lot of really, really great, great wisdom to share. But wisdom with a paywall is where things get murky. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and a lot of that, a lot of times it's not necessarily a paywall that you're paying them to hear them. That's true. It's a YouTube video that they're making money on. Which is fair. I mean, which we're is, all in which business is fair. To, it's, yeah. it's, it's, mm. it's, it's a, you can do whatever you want, yeah. but at the same time, is that person mean what they say or are they doing it to make money for what yeah, they say? And I, so, think, I mean, and everyone's got to make money in what they do, so they might be good in doing it, but it's, yeah. you have to be very aware of what you're. Agreed. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with doing a business that way, but as the consumer, you should be a little bit more aware of of what you're signing up for, especially now that I think most people are aware that a lot of, a lot of motivational stuff is pretty predatory and scammy. It's just mm -hmm. elevator pitch, elevator pitch, tier, mm -hmm. tier yeah. system. Yeah. yeah. Same know, with any real estate videos. On <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. good motivation in there, but, uh, just like anything else you have to sift through. That's true. Yeah. And, and find what works for you and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So. Well, and you kind of were going into to about that before about that's sort of the same thing. So some people get wrapped up so much in trying to like make it before, you know, like learning the craft. Sure. So that motivation, like that's what that's almost where you need to start is the motivation to create something good. I think there's a lot of fear in the creative process because mm. as soon as you try to do something, you're being really honest with yourself about where you are with that. Right. That's, oh, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. Buying stuff is easy. 
Mm-hmm. Anybody yeah. can do that. Yeah, yeah. But confronting your inabilities is really tough, especially when you've decided this is your dream. What people don't see, especially through Instagram or, or any social media, is that we're all failing in the background constantly. Yeah, yeah. We're just showing the part that's necessary to see. I don't think anyone will feel great about what I do if they see all the stuff that I throw away or the redos. I share some of that stuff, but, but people that are really successful are also failing really big mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not as lucrative to share that part. Right, right. And it's not as, as, uh, as, as uh, like polished and fancy. And, yeah. yeah. Do you, I don't know... Um, how much YouTube or Motor Trend or anything you watch, but do you ever watch the Roadkill stuff? A little bit. A little bit. So that, I think their success and the reason that they're that they're good at what they do is because they show their failure when yeah. it happens. That's mm-hmm. true. They're There's not, something genuine about that. Yeah, like if they don't make it to the end goal or if the motor blows up or whatever, like, but they don't always fail. It's true. not a show about failure. It's a show about trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 but then they, they're really good at explaining like, hey, this is just what happens sometimes. Yeah. It's cool. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of reality to it um, because every bit of all the things that we do, even just the nature of car building, there's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. And you can't really know because everybody's kind of got different mental parameters too. And that failure can seem super stressful, especially if you staked your reputation on it. So, but there's a difference between if you're failing at doing something, it doesn't make you as a, a failure as a person, but it can feel that way when you're failing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I'm letting everybody down. I thought, you know, I told my grandma I was going to do this. <laughs> now she's super upset because I can't, you know, everything takes practice. Yeah. Um, and through the practice, you either get good at something or you find out that there is a different version of the path that you need to take to, to get there. Yeah, and you wouldn't figure that out until you, you, you started. And you really just kind of got to dig in and be bad at stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So going back to your artwork and stuff and where you're at now and where you started with when, when, when did you really become serious about it as an income, as far as the artwork goes, was it sharp was when you, when you got known for the Sharpie stuff, like when did it kind of, when did you know that this was going to be your well, thing? <laughs> the, the day Cause I the Sharpie s- art, you kind of were owned into a corner there with that stuff for a at while, least right? early on yeah. it's pretty broad now because of social media which is cool there should be a lot more people doing it but um but i had done a bunch of that stuff prior to moving to california which is great kind of give me a leg up at least on that side of stuff but again that was sort of pre-social media the day after i stopped working at the very last shop that i worked at the day after i was making artwork and selling it on facebook it was pretty one-to-one for me because i was overlapping them just a little bit um, doing sort of doing renderings a little bit on the side. I wasn't doing renderings for the shop I was working at. I was still just doing body work. I wasn't even painting at the shop. And it was just an awful situation with a SEMA build that was just like, it was my first experience with a SEMA build ever. <laughs> that, Again, I'm from the East Coast. You hear that a lot. <laughs> I, never, I never heard of SEMA until we're doing the SEMA build at this first shop that I ever worked at in California. And when you say you were working at a body shop, were you Bondo sanding body guy? That's me, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah. yeah, even though I went from having a shop where we were working on Ferraris to coming here to sending and making a mess, I'm working at a hot rod shop in Huntington Beach, California. I'm living a dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good with that. I didn't care how messy I was. I never minded being the sanding, wet sanding, the messy person. It doesn't bother me at all. I like the work. It's fun. It's working for a tyrant. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody that has unrealistic expectations, and you just can't force certain chemical stuff to do something it's not capable of doing. Yet somehow, every year, as a tradition, we managed to try for a SEMA build. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like it's, not, it's any different now than it was. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so straight off of that, just absolutely miserable SEMA build, um, 
I started, I was already doing artwork on the side and it was more renderings and a little, a little bit more Sharpie, a little bit more graffiti stuff. Um, but I'd started not really even having a presence on, so on uh, Facebook, but that's kind of where I started Facebook and Instagram. And I was selling right away because I was a bargain and I was off, also offering oh. prints right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the, and even now it's still the same at the time. My overhead was low. I was working in the kitchen in my one bedroom apartment. Like my, I was driving a 74 Volkswagen bug, like. My minimum that I needed to make was so low that it, just selling artwork was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I was selling drawings for 50 bucks. Well, by the time I've sold 10 or so, you know, I've pretty much covered my bases. If I'm mm-hmm. at home working, I'm not going anywhere spending any money. So just being really cost-effective about how I was doing things. But the one thing that really did come out of working in the paint and body industry is I am crazy efficient. I'm super productive. So it's a difference of, all right, I'm going to work on this painting and I hope I get it done this week. This is going to be one of the four things that I work on this week. Um, and I'm going to routinely get something finished, start on something, get something finished, start on something, get some. I don't overlap projects. I only work on one thing at a time so that that gets finished no matter what. And you and that being working in a body shop taught you that efficiency. kind of time management yeah. efficiency. And from kind of from a bad point of view, honestly, because it's not like I ever... <laughs> The one criticism everybody I ever worked with ever told me is I was too slow. So mm. it doesn't matter how fast you are. Someone's always going to tell you you're too slow. Yeah, for sure. So once that's in your mind, you're always looking for the answer. How, how can I work faster? What's the paint material that's going to get me there faster? What's, what's the edge that I can learn? Sometimes you just practice and learning to be faster. Uh, sometimes it's materials. There's just you learn to make decisions to help make your job easier. And you can only accumulate that through time. Mm-hmm. And experience. Yeah. Uh, but the short answer is I started selling artwork day one, and that was 11 years ago. That's and you are cool. now still selling artwork. I am still selling artwork. So I, w- to this day, I still get asked what my real job is. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I get that too, and then they go, like, oh, uh, so what do you do? And like, oh, I do this. And they're like, like full-time? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what I do. And they're like, it sounds like a made-up job. Yeah. I'm, every time I'm, if I'm photographing a vehicle – for someone I've never met before that doesn't know me and stuff, they're like, so what do you do full time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, an interesting space to be in. It is. Cause like you kind of compared us all. Cause I think in some capacity, we're all creative people with different skills, obviously, but there's still, I think I'm, I'm listening to you and listening to like all the things that you're saying. And one thing that I'm really noticing is that that satisfaction of the, your creative drive and you're constantly like just trying to like satisfy that. And that's sort of what I was saying before where you like kind of reverse engineer it. You work on the 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 creative side, the passion side, and then work towards how to make that easier through whatever things you're buying. It's always a mix because I think there's a lot to be – people say, you know, you should follow your passion, you should follow your dream. And sometimes that is unrealistic. You should also try to stay on planet Earth a little bit. Your dream can be long-term, and you can appreciate all the steps to get there as well. If you're saying no to everything because you're waiting for that first $50,000 gig, you're doing it wrong. Oh, mm-hmm. You're saying no too much. Mm-hmm. Everybody sort of needs to you know, earn their keep a little bit. You have to earn credibility for that $50,000 person to say yes. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and who's going to gamble on you without some credibility? So we all have to start somewhere and build up to that. And so... So passion and kind of following your, your core beliefs does need to be somewhat fluid. Uh, like a little flexible. A little, yeah, because you do at times need to say yes to stuff that you wouldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's morally just against what you would do, yeah, it's obvious. But again, we, we each get into different spots financially or with opportunities that may not come up twice. 
where like I just feel like I have to say yes to this. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you've said no to that you regret? No. No. That's no, I good. don't think so. Yeah, I've I've been lucky. There's, but I mean, you know, I I live on social media like everybody else. I see opportunities that other people get, that I'm like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna knock that gotcha. out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's just that's just envy. So when, so you you're not you don't you're not doing renderings yeah. anymore. What is it exactly you're doing now? And when did that start? How did that come to be? When was the the changeover? When was the changeover? Yeah. yeah. That, and what, I just want to interject because that, that's what my kind of burning question is, is because I've been following you a long time, following your journey through, you know, Instagram and stuff. And I remember the, the kind of the point that you came to where you were like doing one particular art style yeah. and you kind of just said, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm yeah. only going to do stuff that I like to do. And that's so that's what, you know, yeah. So when was that? <laughs> so there was a while where I was trying to mix painting with what felt like the bread and butter work, the renderings and the concepts and design work, which is pretty infinite if you want to make a living at that. There's so much to do. There's a lot of work. There's tons of great shops to work with. Um, but I just felt like I was on everybody else's schedule and I was always behind. And I didn't love that. And trying to overlap that with time to paint just never kind of came to fruition. And we haven't gotten into this yet, but got so much of what I do is social media based. And there's a lot of science behind the way that a lot of that works for me. And at the core, it's pretty obvious to me that you share with your audience what you want people to ask you to do. When you stop sharing the things that you don't want people to ask you to do, you're only left with doing the things that you want. Right. No one's going to ask me for renderings if I'm not posting renderings. So I stop posting renderings. I still do them for shops occasionally that I've worked with for a long time, but no longer post them. No longer share them because I don't want any questions related to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that sort of helped slow that down. While I was still doing that work, I was no longer doing it as publicly um, because I still wanted to maintain some relationships that I had, and I still do. It's just I don't need more of that to do. I needed less of that with people that I really, really liked that we communicated long enough that we sort of understand each other and is there still an excitement to that part of the, like, is there still like, you're like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. So when that person does hit you up, you're like, it kind of gives you a break from it. A little bit. It's like a that? nice, it's a nice change up, but I never don't want to paint. Yeah. Um, to me, that's at the core what I was chasing the entire time and trying to overlap that with achieving a, a dream that I thought that I wanted to do renderings full time. I really thought that I wanted to be chip foos. And then I got to a point where I was doing that all the time and it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be. Um, and I think people say that about a lot of dreams that you chase. You kind of go, well, eventually everything becomes like work. And I just thought, no, it shouldn't. I don't hmm. think so. It, like it, there is work involved, but I do this. Uh, I came from a career where I was doing stuff for other people. This, this should feel a little bit differently. And while I was doing, while I was mixing paintings with that and posting them alongside of renderings, I could never get the focus toward paintings. I couldn't sell the paintings as well because I was mostly getting questions about renderings or personal illustrations. Mm-hmm. Can you draw my car? And it was more illustrations, drawings, and less paintings, even though paintings is kind of where I wanted to head. So I just decided I'm going to stop sharing anything that's illustration and rendering based and just lean towards paintings. And... What really made a big difference for me is uh, the early days of TikTok at the very beginning and then when Instagram adopted Reels. Mm -hmm. I thought, I don't know how I can share a paint process that makes this interesting for people to watch because you literally are watching paint dry the whole time. Mm -hmm. No different than an illustration necessarily. It's just more technical to do it as an illustration versus a painting. But I've always personally thought that paintings were more substantive to me. When I go to a gallery, I like to see a, a big piece of 
artwork hanging on a wall, some canvas and some paint. So the videos allowed me to share more of the process mm -hmm. of that. And it wasn't until then that it occurred to me just based on feedback that the way I do things is not necessarily like the way everybody does things. Right. So, it's just your process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And everybody's is different anyways, but what I do doesn't necessarily make sense even to other artists. And I thought, okay, well, this is an interesting edge. I'm not being obtuse for the sake of being obtuse. This is just the way I think about the process, mm -hmm. just based from on other experiences. And I even tried to do some rendery stuff as videos, and it was difficult to make look as interesting, even if I tried. And I can understand why. So I just sort of divorced myself from the idea of doing that because I thought, I, I want to do paintings. Let me just do paintings. And it happened that a few years ago, I did a, a really big art installation for um, a collection. And um, it was me and a couple of guys that worked on it for a few months. I got paid really, really well because I read contracts well. I negotiate well. At the end of the day, I already have the job, dream job. Um, so... I can say no just as much as I want. Mm -hmm. I don't care necessarily about money so much as am I wasting my time doing a job that somebody else would love? That's a that's a really interesting that's a really interesting space to explore because I think today with a lot of people it is all like a, a money thing, like getting the most money or or, or yeah. maximizing the most opportunity on this thing. When again it's that reverse engineering thing, like start thinking about what makes you happy and like the the process. I do that too. That's good. Like like sometimes I look at stuff I'm like I don't even I mean you should I, I should care about the money but sometimes like I don't even care about the money because I don't want to do that that's the thing is obviously everybody at the core we all know that money is important we have we have costs we have overheads we have families we have things money is important but the way that I think about it because I don't work for anybody and I start from that point all the time I'm automatically doing whatever I want every day how much is my freedom worth then? Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to charge for. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if someone doesn't want to pay me a lot, I'd rather play video games and hang out by the beach. I can do that for free. Right. So why would I spend my free time doing something that I don't want to do? Now, that's not like that I hate the offers or jobs that I get. Again, I'm, I might not be the right fit for it. And if I think that job is going to take me a week, there's just no amount of money that makes me interested in that. Right. When I could just hang out at the beach, right. free, <laughs> that's see, a, that's, doing whatever I want. It's also, that's such a great headspace to be in. And it's also not fair to the person asking you. No. That's, that's true you're not going to get the best Yeah, you're not going to get the best, no. best no. person. And they might not realize that at the beginning, yeah. but at the same time, like, I have had people all the, uh, constantly almost, I, need, I want you to do videos, I want you to do videos, and I'm like, I'm not the guy, and I refer them to the Person, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Kind of a person, and they're like, "No, but I want you to do it." Like, I really like you, and I'm like, "Look, I, I appreciate yeah. that, but I'm not the guy that throws effects on all these videos and makes them swooshy." And oh like, yeah, and yeah. Does and all that's this. what they're looking for. And they're yeah. looking for the trend of swoosh yeah. and sure. and this. And I'm like, I do, I'm like more of like a I try to tell stories versus like market your products. Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between when you're a creative, you say. Especially with a lot of years and a lot of experience, you kind of go, I've gotten to here because I do something hopefully different than the other people in my industry. If you want what that guy offers, call him. Seriously. Yeah. I don't want to copy his style. And not saying just his style is yeah. there's anything wrong with this. No. Mm -hmm. It's just not yours. It's just not for me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. like, exactly. That guy's talented as all get out. Call mm -hmm. that person. Yeah. And your business deserves, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're paying someone. This is what you want. You're yeah, paying someone definitely. a lot of money. Yeah. So you can make more money. Mm -hmm. You deserve what you want. And, and that and that attention, again, if, you, if someone's trying to coach you into doing something that you may not want to do, you know, especially with friendly relationships, I get talked into stuff and I'm like, 
You regret it while you're working on it because you're like, ah, I remember why I didn't want to do this. <laughs> and you'll work through it. You'll get it done, mm-hmm. especially you know for people that you work with for a long time. But sometimes I like that because it's a good reminder. Uh, it's a good check-in. You kind of go, oh, that's why I don't say yes to these anymore. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to gam- do it. It's also a gamble on yeah, a good time because you could have been like, Oh, this is actually a really good time. Like it, depending on the time you're willing to yeah. spend on it, like say just for example, someone says, Hey, come sharpie my car. You're like, I really don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> but like, say it's, you know, like, um, you recently, and I say recently in, in a very relative term, but like you did the wagon over at Max's. Right? Yeah. And like, that might not have been what you normally do, True. but you probably had a decent time mm, doing it. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you could gamble that and go, well, if I spend three days doing this, Yes, I'm doing something I'm necessarily not yeah. do, but it's also three days hanging out with my buddy. Yeah. I think that's also the fluidity of where you need to be at freelance. You can't be so stubborn that you put up walls and blinders because you'll miss opportunities too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to, even if something doesn't seem like it's a good fit, you know, how someone talks to you or treats you through email or phone conversation can kind of move the needle a little bit. Someone's super nice and respectful. You kind of, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's give this a try and see the where approach. it goes. And there is mm-hmm. a way to respond and also do it to where you are in control of the situation. Yeah. Even if it's something you don't want to do. Yeah. Because you can word it and you can say, okay, yeah, I'll do this. We're going to do it. You know what I mean? I'm willing to do this, this, and this. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. It. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's all relationships. And we all, we all want to work with people because it's how we make a living. It's just finding the right people that are looking for what you're doing. Um, so that are really enthusiastic about what you do so that you can do the best job for them possible. Everybody wins almost no matter what the cost is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh-huh. moving forward to right now, present time. Yeah. So what? yeah, to finish up that part of the story, huge job, great big art installation in a car collection that paid me and the pers- uh, people that I brought on really, really well. And that created for me a whole lot of freedom. I thought I could take a few years off of work or, I can just start saying no more to the things that I don't want and just focus on what I do want. Mm-hmm. I had enough background money to where I just, I don't need to say yes to anything else anymore. So, uh, so you sort of back away from the situation. You kind of go, all right. And everybody can frame their minds this way. I know it's a little pie in the sky because everybody's financial situation is different. You kind of go, all right, if I had all the money that I needed, whatever that amount is, the baseline covered every single month, what would I actually spend my time doing? Right. Um, and because it's a good way to soul search, you know, maybe maybe what I'm chasing isn't exactly the right thing. And some people, the answer is nothing. I don't want to do anything. I don't think that's a bad answer either. Yeah, no. Just yeah, be honest no, with yourself. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea is, is all the time. I'm like, so what do you want to do? She, she works so much. You yeah. Know? I'm like, what, what do you want to do? Because I'm time off whenever I want. And I'm like, I want to get out and do something. And she's like, I just want to lay on the couch and, and do this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it took me a little while to realize, like, that's cool. Like, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. That's true. Because you know? everybody's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good headspace to be in. And like once you can get there, it'll make everything else kind of go a little smoother. Yeah, and I get that it sounds like, okay, you had a lot of money, so that obviously creates a lot of freedoms for you. But I'm still real, really realistic about costs and how I spend time. I still want to be doing something every day. Mm-hmm. I still well, that's your creative drive. Yeah. You've got to satisfy that so, some, some way. Yeah, so at that point, I'm like, then I'm just going to pour straight into paintings and, and kind of hope for the best and, and let social media feedback guide me a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, what I do right now is even a whole lot different than a year ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, and I think it's important to adjust a little bit as you go. So again, I realize it sounds like, oh, you have a lot of money, then you can, then yeah, of course you can do whatever you want. There's people that get a lot of money and freaking run out of it really quick. Oh, no, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So it, 
the the goal is to keep and, filling that. And yeah. battles are are like short and long. True. So your what you want to do could be just that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it yeah. could be a year long, or it could be a lifelong thing. And mm-hmm. the thing is, especially where I was at right then. I was totally okay because I've been in this spot a bunch of times in life of having zero dollars. And you, you build from there. You always figure it out. If you're used to it, it's not really stressful at all. So I thought, if I spend all my money trying to do this and it doesn't work, at least I tried. I yeah. really, really tried. Now, mm-hmm. this art installation thing that you were talking about, yeah. so that, that was a job that you completed. Yeah. And now you're doing the paintings. Yeah, I was doing paintings at the same time, okay. um, but that created uh, just a bigger buffer in life, mm-hmm. which, again, I realize not everybody has, but, um, but it just gave me, after doing all the other art stuff for you know, the better part of eight years, the mix of things, I just thought, well, now I can really focus on the one thing and at least throw in. Again, I, I was okay if it didn't work out, but I knew you know, because social media is like primary marketing for me, I would really need to pour a year into it to see, but I already knew that I wasn't bad at the artwork. Um, I wasn't I could, sure. Yeah, you're far from that. <laughs> well, even at the time, I wasn't. I didn't think I was doing stuff that was bad necessarily. It's just there's a lot of automotive artists. There's a lot of people you can buy stuff from. You know, what's the edge? How do you stand out? And um, and social media is really more where I leverage that because there's a lot that goes into making good content, um, specifically. But yeah, so there's a lot of moving parts. But I think at the core, you just think about. If I had had everything taken care of, if I moved back in with my parents, whatever the deal is, what would be the thing that I would chase? Uh, and just and just put your focus there. When you spread yourself so thin amongst dreams about, I gotta maintain a part-time job so that I can, that 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 I can chasing the dream part is not enough time to put enough effort into it to see a return on what you're trying to do. It's yeah. not enough. Mm-hmm. Unless, not you're tra- f- unless you're trying to win small battles to get. That's true. You can or, move the needle. Yeah, to move the needle. And then also depending on how much time you give yourself to move that needle. That's true. You got to be really generous with yourself. Yeah. I found that at the end of working at that shop um, where I was starting to do renderings here and there for other shops. Um, and I was also doing like traveling pinstriping stuff just around Southern California. I was so split on time between everything that I was really doing a bad job of all of it. Oh, mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping as well. So I was showing up to work to sand cars just... I was there physically, but I wasn't as I wasn't as like mentally active and participating in the way that I should. I wasn't as focused on that job uh, because it's not possible to spread yourself amongst that focus. No matter how much coffee and Red Bull you have, it's just eventually you're going to burn out. Right. And when you hit burnout, you feel like whatever that thing is you're doing right in that moment is what caused that burnout. Because mm-hmm. so, that's, that's what it feels like. So now, yeah, your day to day life, yeah, is you paint. That's it. And then you sell that painting. Correct. Okay. So you paint, take photos of it, take video of it type thing. Yeah. And then you put the, and now do you have, is it, are you finding it? It's return people buying your stuff or are these, or is it a lot of new people? How, like are, where are you at in that space? So it's, it's mixed early. It was a little bit more regular, which was nice. And it's like a repeat buyers and there still is, um, especially the genre of cars and vehicles that I've moved to now is more like Porsche Ferrari, which is really bored my long-term passion to begin with but i think working in the hot rod world for so long i don't think people really really knew that about me but that's okay do you have anyone that bought a 20 dollars print from you seven years ago and then they ask you hey how much is that now and they go whoa yeah. that's a little different <laughs> it's a little different <laughs> no, no, they just stop responding <laughs> yeah you just answer with no 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I actually don't sell prints anymore. I was going to say, yeah. So that, that part again, that's part that's of the That's a big that change that I made as well. Yeah. And when so did that start? Did, did... I did almost a year ago. Okay. Because we were selling prints. I um, was working with a team on that specifically. And that was going okay. It wasn't bad. That was another like long term thing because we'd always done them in house. So it was done on demand, which put me in charge of the printing, the quality control, the packing, mm-hmm. shipping. And you even for doing as, as many years as I have, it's like 30 extra part-time jobs. Yeah. Ink is really expensive. Paper is really expensive. Printers are really expensive. Everything's really expensive. It's really hard to make money on prints in that way, unless you're selling serious volume. Um, and I never really had that much appeal. We could get people to buy prints, but not in a huge volume. And, and mailing them is another process. It's mm-hmm. a whole other process. Yeah. You know, uh, between creating labels or going to the post office, it's, it's literally 30 more people's full-time job. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. that you're doing is taking you away from the thing you should be doing. Yeah. This is other, somebody else's job. Um, so that worked okay for a while. Prince to me was never, never really made a, a, that much of a dent in income, but I thought early on it was good for more people to have uh, versions of the artwork. Like then access you, to it without yeah. spending. Right, yeah. yeah. So My originals everybody. weren't expensive in the early days anyways. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at least, uh, especially with some of the stuff that I was doing, it had more broad appeal. So it, you know, 20, 30 bucks is, uh, is a lot more accessible, which is good. The problem is that when you change over into a different class of vehicle, say Porsche, Ferrari, below a certain price is too cheap. Oh, I see. Oh, you uh, now see, it's so, trash. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Now yeah. it's not worth anything because why is it so cheap? Mm-hmm. It's like buy a, you buy a project car or a car that looks nice and it's oh, probably too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a reason, maybe there's not. But you, your audience and your appeal within that market changes, one, based on cost specifically and based on what you're doing. The hot rod in the truck world didn't move over with me seamlessly to the Porsche Ferrari mm-hmm. world. Not in terms of, of cost and interest. And I'm good with that. It's all good. Um, How are you with handling? Because you're very good at responding to Instagram comments. I try. Now, I know you've grown. Yes. Your following has grown. Do you still try to stay on top of that? Every single, yep. When I post something, so I usually just post once a week now, um, a new, at least one new painting. I'll set a, so uh, say I'm posting Friday morning. Um, I'll set aside a few hours just to be on Instagram for a few hours straight. Are you, no, do you? With the changeover from what you were doing to now, which is very similar, but just yeah. a different thing. Do you, are the, are the comments mostly positive still? I still get a lot of criticism, but I mean, it's just numbers just game of, at that yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, just I mean, a volume of people that, that consume your content. Yeah, you're going to have that. You're going to get more. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're never not. It still hurts. Go. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Comment, I'm like, okay. Does any do, do speaking about that thing specifically, do people ever trip that like, when you finish a painting and it looks great and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do something else and you paint over it yeah. to do something else. Do you get a lot of people who trip yeah. on that? People are like, oh, you could have sold that to me for less. Not a no, chance. Yeah. <laughs> Not a you're chance. like, no, no, Everyone man. Everyone thinks if you're painting over something, oh, you could have just sent that to me or, and you know, you could have made me a deal. And I could have. And three years ago, me would have. Today, me is not interested. Mm-hmm. This didn't sell. That means no one is interested. Okay, in- so that's the process. It didn't sell. That's it. Mm-hmm. Do you give yourself mm-hmm. a certain time? Uh, yeah, nowadays is a lot different than, than before. Um, some of the more recent ones that you see more painting over something is actually the second attempt at that painting. Oh, so the really? First one didn't okay. go well, and oh. I like the I like the redo to be part of that same canvas story. I was gonna say there's probably not many that don't sell. At this point, paintings usually sell either the day before, the night before, or within an hour of posting. Wow, so that's I have nothing amazing. here for sale. That's really the cool. only thing I have is whatever I start on next. 
That's and, really and cool. Where, what do you know what you're starting on next? Do you just have an idea? I have a general idea. I try to alternate between cars and colors a little bit. And I do have commissions and requests that I have said yes to. And I just kind of carefully weave things so that I don't have a bunch of commissions back to back. If I do a yeah. commission, I, uh, um, I follow the uh, John Mayer strategy. One for them, one for me, one for them, one for me. Yeah. Keeps things okay. balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good. That makes sense. So you're not always doing Ferrari Porsche, Ferrari Porsche. Yeah, try not to. But if it's a commission, I kind of <laughs> go, all right. I can make an exception to weave in another. I do a, a, this car because this would be the next routine thing for me. The thing that's really tricky about doing anything that's really tricky, uh, creative, uh, full time, is you do need to be really like on yourself about scheduling and how you spend your time. If I only only did what I wanted. Um, that would be a little bit too fluid. Now mm. that's most of what I do. I do my, uh, I do even do commissions the way that I want them, but there's still a, an expectation from the person that's spending money mm-hmm. as far as time, as far as uh, communication, which is like something that I'm always, always working on. I'm not perfect at communicating or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So something we can always get better on. But if you're too casual with your business, it will read that way mm-hmm. through everything that you do. So almost, there's almost a, um, you have to work at your craft you have to work at the balance just as much as your craft. Totally. Yeah. You got to keep yourself in check. You know, you got to let, you know, uh, the people that aren't happy with stuff or the failures, you know, you don't have to let them destroy you, but you should let that be a good reflection point of what can I do differently to keep this from happening? Um, you know, some people are just more difficult and that's just the nature of the thing. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Just say no to that person next time. But there's a lesson to be learned about in every single step. Yeah. In the successes and the failures. Yeah. Did you find yourself like now you, you know what you you know what you want to do. You're doing it yeah. and it's working. But at some points throughout like your social media journey, did you find yourself kind of like whether it was known or unknown, kind of like just doing stuff because like, oh, well, people like this. So I'm going to do this. Yes. And even now, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. OK. My job is to sell artwork. Mm-hmm. If I know that people like this, that gives me a lot of data. I can work from that. I can put this on the list of, OK, this this color, this composition, this car, something about this appealed. Now, something to get millions of views, I mean, you guys know this, viral success is not, there's data parameters that you can set up as a best case scenario, but at the end of the day, the algorithms are out control. Right. So you can set yourself up for as much success as you think, but the, it's still out of our control. So you want to lean into those things as much as possible. Now, it's not necessarily to say that I'll keep doing the same things, but if this, I, if a car that I do does not go over well, that tells me everything that I need to know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it twice to suffer again. Well, that's true. Yeah, out. that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's just not necessary. Now, hopefully mm-hmm. it sells, and that, that's good. Um, and in that realm, something that I tell people about what I do all the time is that in terms of views, uh, likes, and comments and stuff, as long as the artwork sold, I don't care if it's one view and that one view mm-hmm. sold it. My job is to sell the painting, not gain views. I don't mm-hmm. make money from views. I make money from selling artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and part that is also part of why I decided not to offer prints anymore. I no longer want there to be an alternative to how you get my artwork. This oh, is it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good point. So make it kind of like almost a little more exclusive. It's a little bit more exclusive. And I realize that can kind of take certain people out of the possibility of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be really, really flexible with sizing and pricing. I always work with somebody that's really enthusiastic about getting a piece because it's not the end of the world. If I don't get paid that day for that piece, it's not that critical. I always want artwork to go to a good home. But playing the print game actually, I think, subtracts part of the other part of the art. Now, that said, I know tons of artists that sell originals and sell uh, tons of prints, too. These are 
Disney artists, these are character artists, those are broad appeal. Mm-hmm. Car artwork is such a narrow niche to begin yeah. with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I don't. We talk about that quite a bit too. We mm-hmm. don't. In the automotive world, we think we think it's big. We think everyone likes custom of cars. Of course, right? When most people have cars to get from point A, <laughs> yeah, they don't care. <laughs> and it's a Chevy Cruze, yeah. or a Nissan Versa, mm-hmm. and they are insanely happy with something else in their life. Yeah. So we have to remember that quite uh, a bit. Totally, and I think that's a great way to frame being grateful to even have this as an occupation mm-hmm. that there's enough of an audience of people that are interested in cars car culture to even be interested in the things that we offer so i'm super grateful and like that's part of why i still respond to every single comment as many messages as i can because i can't do what i do without everyone else liking supporting. what you do yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um even if it's the likes and the views it still counts to me as support and um and I'm super, super appreciative of that because I'm like everybody else. We all started with zero followers and zero everything. Mm-hmm. So to be able to grow from that, I think I cannot do that without the people who have left comments, who have left messages. Mm-hmm. And even if they're the ones that will never buy a painting. doesn't matter to me. It they're just kind of keeps it going. Yeah. Their mm-hmm. comment might have made that show up in someone else's algorithm sure. that mm-hmm. might buy one in the future. You mm-hmm. never know. Mm-hmm. There's so many moving parts that I think a lot of social media creators, it's weird with artists specifically, uh, you know, oh, I got 10,000 followers, like fame goes people's heads so quick mm-hmm. and you go, well, what if this drops, the floor of this drops off? What do you do if, if all these people aren't yeah. still here? Yeah. Or you give some interview where you're a freaking prick and everybody decides, oh, wow, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, oh, this oh, guy. Okay. <laughs> well, it's happened. We've seen it happen with social media networks like Vine. Hmm. When Vine came out, people were making a lot of money, yeah. and then it just stopped. Then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Just added, just and yeah. I always say, what happens if YouTube stops? Sure. Because, and the response is usually, well, YouTube's never going to stop. They're too big. And it's like, no, everything, you know, you everything. don't know what's going to happen. Changes. Like, yeah, we can't really predict anything. You can't. You know what I mean? There might be something similar to YouTube that is always there, but yeah. their model of pay, you know, and how they do it's it. It's already changing all the time. It, mm-hmm. it changes all the time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like if that's solely what you rely on, you know, like all the, the like influencer type thing, sure. you're mm-hmm. just relying on if you're them. monetizing on views. That's volatile. And, and followers. It's yeah, almost like followers true. is like the new statistic to success. success. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It does have a value point, especially yes. when you're talking to big companies, it does give you some, uh, some credibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of people, I think it almost buy. is a more credible thing than anything else. It kind of makes sense. I think there's a big disparity when you see an account that seems big, a couple hundred thousand followers, but their views. Yeah. Are really you could narrow. always tell. Yeah. Like, okay. Either you're not putting out content that people really jive with, or you've bought your followers or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to play the game. So I'm not going to criticize anybody, mm-hmm. but when, you know, big companies, manufacturers are looking for you, you know, the first thing that they do is look at your social media. Yeah. Mm. Always first. So and that includes YouTube. Yeah. Um, Cause that's like, if they're interested in having you do something, they need to know that you already have a broad audience because the, the expectancy is that you're going to share it with them as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, create some range. Uh, so being somebody helps, but if you don't have the views to kind of back up, there's a lot of data to cover. Um, and one parameter isn't enough to give you credibility. At the end of the day, I still go back to, it doesn't really matter the size of those things if you're not good at what you actually do. That's what I was going to say. Like that, and that's the other part of it is, because like you were saying, if you took away all that stuff, what are you left with? Well, you're left with the thing that you're creating. Sure. And if you don't, you know, make that good, then no, they're going to be like, well, there's, 
Like if they took a, if social media went away now, you would still have a painting, Thank but goodness. you would just have to go to a gallery to sell it yeah. versus online. But yeah. If you if social media went away for you, people still need to wear clothes. Mm-hmm. They still need t-shirts. The artist that made the art wants t-shirts. He's not going to make t-shirts. He needs people like you. Mm-hmm. Me, I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't make anything. Well, I mean, that's but that's not true. You get because like you you could be picked up by a magazine. It doesn't I, I, have I, to. I just it's a joke. Yeah, people, yeah. People will still want without social media. Photography is still a thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and yeah. that's maybe why better like, may be more of a thing without social media actually. Yeah, yeah, because they're yeah exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> we go back to the old way of newspapers yeah. and stuff. But yeah, I think that's what happens a lot. Like when I, I talk to you know people about like they ask like, well, how do you start or how do I get into this or how do I start a YouTube channel or or anything like that. And if you go and you go like search out, like if you went on YouTube, like how do I, how do I start a YouTube channel? What do I do? One of the very first things they tell you is have a product to sell. Cause like you were saying, if you're relying completely on views and monetization through views and sharing and stuff, that's not going to make it. You still need something at the end of the day that's yeah. like tangible that you can give to somebody, you know, so. or good information. Oh true. yeah, yeah, that's it's true. Really not, that's not but that's still a product. Tangible, but but it's still a product. But you're still could, giving them a something that translates to a tangible product. Mm-hmm. Because, like, say you want to do 3D printing. We were just at our buddy's house earlier today. He does 3D printing, and maybe the guy that he got his information from it wasn't a tangible thing, but he turned that information into a tangible. That's right, but that was yeah. But they still gave you something. Yeah, teaching you know? is value for sure. But then again, I think it, it's kind of easy to beat up on influence. Like this day and age, is kind of kind of easy to beat up on those guys, even though you know they're trying to. Yeah, I mean, I they're, those people are. Those I mean, they're there for our too. scrolling yeah. enjoyment. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. I mean? like, like I spend quite a bit of time scrolling when Real I'm laying deep. in bed before yeah. I go to sleep, and mm-hmm. thankful to them. They make you know me what? laugh, and I share it with my friends, and we have a good time. This yeah. is kind of like a kind of like a little weird offshoot thought that I just recently had. Like I'm just doing the same thing. I'm laying there. I'm scrolling through TikTok, and I'm just scrolling through people creating stuff. Like they're not. It's not a really like they're not actors. They're not musicians. They're just people making these things that I'm consuming. Yeah. It's, it was a really weird abstract thought that I had, and I and I can't like I can't like say. You know, this is this is what I think or it's a bad thing or a good thing. It was just this random thought that popped into my head. That's like some some girl, you know, on the other side of the country made this kind of funny joke and I laughed and it was like, you know, kind of really an abstract thing. It's almost like we've turned our entertainment, what we watch for entertainment from hour long shows to half hour long shows to 20 second <laughs> shows. Yeah, from, these, from, are, yeah. these are TV shows that are yeah. 20 seconds to yeah. one minute long. And we're like. There's the start, there's the plot, and yeah. then it's yeah. over. And that's been mm-hmm. And then honestly, there's a lot of creative challenge in trying to make something digestible in that amount of time. Yes. I thought at the beginning of Reels and early TikTok stuff, I'm not on TikTok anymore. Um, I, I thought probably the same thing as a lot of videographers for, one, why would I shoot in this aspect ratio? Because uh-huh. uh, nothing really fits that way naturally. And how do you make something good in that you spent days on in 30 seconds or less. Yeah, yeah. But there's an art to it. And there's also a consumer some, base for it. Yeah. And that's why I said it's like it's easy to beat up on an influencer talking about, you know, I don't want to, talking about their, um, you know, pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> but in the, at the end of the day, they created something. The person probably who is complaining about it probably didn't create anything yeah. that day. And we're, and we're consuming know? it. That's all the value And And we're consuming it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we're turning it in. It's turned into income for someone. Oh, for that's sure. something, yeah. It's For all, sure. It's all very interesting. It yeah. is. 
And it, it's a, it's easier to beat up on someone than it is to understand. That's what, yeah, that's to the point that I'm making. To work through the critical thinking mm-hmm. portion of it. I think, yeah, I know? think an influencer lifestyle probably looks a lot easier than it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, ask anyone to go out there and start dancing. Yeah, yeah. film it, <laughs> yeah. edit it, put it to music, and All make right. it. And, and like, we have five more things to do today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was in the store the other day, and uh, we were. It was like a Pier One Imports type store. There's just like random stuff everywhere, <laughs> and this girl comes walking up in a like a purple skirt and i was like this is very random for a wednesday mm-hmm. to be in the middle of the day for this right and then another girl was walking behind her filming her and i was like oh they're making a tiktok where this girl is going to review the store oh okay. Oh, nice. and i was like i wonder how many times she did that today mm-hmm. and then they're gonna go home and they're gonna edit those and then they're gonna put them up yeah that's actually something i bring up with a lot of people that think that um you know, it must be really impossible to do something like artwork for a living. I always tell people there are YouTubers and TikTok stars out there making millions just filming their life. That means to me anything is possible. That, that's, that. that's a good way to look I at mean, it. I mean, the difference is you do, they're putting in a lot of work. They're showing up, they're editing. There's a lot of work to doing what they're doing. Uh, but those are the people that are, they're grinding. They're really doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, it looks that, easy. But mm-hmm. if, in my the, mind, if that is a professional level thing that you can do, everything is possible from there. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think also anything that's forced in nature, like there's a lot of influencers that try to force things to be funny Mm -hmm. and you can tell, and it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, if it's a natural thing and even if it's the cheesiest thing ever, if it still works, it still works. It's still like, you're like, Oh, that was cute. Or that Mm -hmm. was funny or whatever. Yeah. And you're thank you for that 30 second interaction. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) That's Yeah. No, I, I think I think. Do you if, have any questions for us on on success? On success. <laughs> As we are sitting in front of his Ferrari, he's going to ask us about success. We're going to go get in the old Mavi. <laughs> the old Mavi, that thing brand new. It is brand new. That's yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But actually, I, that was the next thing I want to talk about is oh, is your cars. Like, you're you got some awesome cars. Like, oh, thank you. Tell the, us about the them. Spectrum of cars. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a weird mix. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I like what I like. So we got the, the Ferrari here, the 348 Spider, the childhood dream car, even though I would have been too young to know what it was. Mm-hmm. But still, love, love this car. Um, there's a 991-911 outside, and the Roadster, the Ducati, and the 401 in here. Oh, the, the silver one in, in the corner is yours? The blue one. In there. Oh, the blue one in the corner is yours. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. a bad car. <laughs> I love that car. That's what I drove this morning. Oh, cool. Oh, raining. okay. <laughs> right on. That's yeah. that, You were talking about that, about like, you know... Because your your Volkswagen has no roof, roof. Yeah. no roof, that's permanent your, no roof. That what did you call that car this morning? That's your normal car. Yeah, that's your normal only normal car. car you and have and, and when he said car, that, yes. when he said that, I'm like, oh, they must have like a Camry or something. You know? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what my lady thought I was gonna get. Uh, when the Roadster broke down last year, and I was just like, you know what? I just need something normal. And uh, yeah, I think Katie thought I was gonna get like a Camry or a Corolla, and I was like, what do you think of this? And she said. That's a 911. You, we've already had a 911. I'm like, yeah, but this one's blue. And what year is that one? Uh, 2013. So is that? I know we've had. Um, I don't know if me and you had this discussion before, but we had a discussion about like cars that have too much in computer input hmm. that you weren't into very much. Um, maybe maybe I was talking to Max and he was speaking for you. That sounds like very Max. <laughs> That's like very Max. There thing. was def- There would definitely be a time where I would say that would be totally totally true. The difference is I had the variety that I have here. Um, since this is entirely analog, gated uh, stick, manual steering, manual brakes, no, it doesn't even have ABS. It, the Porsche's no airbag. The Porsche's this. The opposite. Also easy to drive in the city. 
The Porsche <laughs> is going to start every single time. It's going to get me there. It's going to look very, very nice. It has air-conditioned seats. I just think as time goes on and you're like, you know what? I, a little bit of luxury is nice. Yeah. When you're used to hot riding every day or taking a motorcycle, you know, you never show up somewhere looking like you did when you left. Mm-hmm. And for professional meetings, that's not great. Mm-hmm. You know, some the Ferrari is sort of over the top to, to show up to places in generally. Um, and I just I love 911s and Porsches and I had a bunch of them it's just that's the one that I have right now but I go up to LA and San Diego regularly I want to get there and back comfortably I'm mm-hmm. sitting in traffic I don't mind a PDK um, transmission now so, just as an off the wall question sure <laughs> would you ever consider anything electric is it that too detached from the soul of a vehicle or is that because an electric car is like the ultimate city driving car yeah it's quiet. It's comfortable. Yeah. It almost drives itself to a point. Yeah. But then it does take away the, the driving experience. So is like the uh-huh. Porsche the perfect mix or have you ever? I wouldn't say that Porsche even leans that far. No. Um, I'm not against electric cars. I can't say that there's anything out that really appeals to me mm-hmm. or excites me. I mean, what they do performance wise is really, really amazing. But they're so, they're so much like an appliance. They're an iPhone. They're, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very mm-hmm. just tech. They're just yeah. they're so far tech. We haven't gotten a driver focused electric car. I think now, granted, there's supercars and sports cars, but I don't think we've got something like mass market. You know, we don't have the like the, an accessible. Yeah, we don't have fun, the electric sports car. Right, right, right. Yet yeah. that you know. What do you think is the clo- like is the Taycan the closest? to Taycan's it? pretty good. It's a four door sedan, so it, oh. it does its own thing differently. Lucy, hey, relax over there. Calm down. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Icon's really good. Um, my wife, she's got a RAV4 Prime. It's a plug-in hybrid. The second fastest vehicle that Toyota makes, apparently. And one of the most expensive after a markup. <laughs> oh, my because God. Because they are. Oh, really? A RAV4? Like, try to find one. Mm-hmm. Did, did you get recent, like, recently get it? Two years ago. Was it Recent hard? enough. Yes, recent it was. Enough. We, went to, <laughs> we went to many places to find one that... The first place we went to, and the guy was giving us the numbers. I was like, dude, I can go get a McLaren for this. This is oh, ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The markups on those things are crazy. That's but they're a good. great vehicle. They are great, actually, as it turns out. They did that system really, really well. I think it blends the best of both things. Toyota's great at the hybrid system. Yeah. But the RAV4 hybrid is such a good. That's like the one. Well, yeah, it's just the most sensible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it kind of checks all the boxes correctly, yeah. especially for size and performance. I think if Porsche made a plug-in hybrid 911, I'd be there. Yeah. Totally. Because it's you, best of both. Do mm-hmm. you think like, how, do you think everything is going to be a crossover SUV type vehicle soon? I think kind of like, no. I think there'll be a wave of it and then there'll be a wave out of it. Kind of like how everything went small displacement turbo like that. Mm-hmm. And now it's sort of falling off the end because all the manufacturers copy each other to some degree. They won't. Manufacturers, despite what people think and what they say in the comments when they're commenting on uh, Ford's new car, uh, they don't build things based on people's comments on Facebook posts and Instagram posts. They, mm. they only build what they think they can sell a lot of. So That's the point. We, uh, we were having an EV <laughs> conversation a while ago, and that's, that's the point we made. So yeah. split the, the, difference said, the, the, the consumer details. drives mm-hmm. exactly. change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even with we're saying this, we're talking about electric cars, even with the, we'll take California, for example, that wants to ban the new sale of gas vehicles yeah. by a certain date. Yeah. People get mad at that, but technically the consumer's really driving that fact because it wouldn't it, happen without that. No. And it also wouldn't happen if you didn't 
like driving by a gas station and watching the gas go down oh and up, yeah, down and yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And then it's time for you to buy a car. You're going to buy the one that you don't have to stress on. And that totally. might be this. So, And that may be a, you know, in our bubble, that may be a California specific problem. And I see this a lot uh, with car content related to California. The other 49 states react differently than the people who actually live here. Yeah. In mm-hmm. social media. Yeah. Yeah. do definitely. Uh, <laughs> the things that get blown out of proportion barely touch the average person here. I'm yep. going to be honest. It really is. We had not, that conversation this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of similar conversations. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you travel and spend time in different states, like we do quite a bit, you get that. Yeah. Where are you from? Oh, damn. Oh, blah. They, and they just instantly say what they've heard. Of course. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, yeah, there's that there. But it's not like. Yeah. It doesn't not affect me. That big or that. Not 200% of that. And <laughs> right, not everywhere. Right. Or like I mean, you said, affecting so your every day. You yeah. Know? yeah. A lot of this stuff is a little bit more peripheral. I mean, I don't think it matters if you're paying $5 for gas here or, and that seems like a lot, or if you're paying $3 for gas in Alabama, and that seems like a lot. Your a lot is scaled to wherever you are no matter what. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that when I lived in St. Louis, um, I worked, I was there for a couple of years. I had an apartment there. The only time I had an apartment, most of the time I slept in my car for two years. <laughs> uh, I had an apartment. What kind of car was it? My 61 Buick special. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I had an apartment, downtown St. Louis. It was 500 bucks a month. I was a full-time painter at a shop. I couldn't afford it more than three months. Really? Yeah. And it seems like 500 bucks wouldn't be a lot. And being a full-time car painter would be a great paying gig. It really depends on what area you're in. Your income really does scale based on a lot of factors based on where you are. Mm-hmm. Now, cost of living here might be high. Or a lot of people say cost of living here is high. I'm from Washington, D.C. This is nothing. Mm-hmm. At least there's a beach here. Um, taxes are different in every area. So it's just it's hard to take your personal experience somewhere. Just like I'll see, okay, a house listing and... And Kentucky is a great deal. They're landlocked. And there's mm-hmm. no beach anywhere. Yeah. It is a great deal if you take your California income and you move it there. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're a freelancer, you're fine. Yeah. If you're looking for that same job there, so it's it's not apples to apples everywhere. Yeah. But it looks well, that and way that's on the problem media. is it's not apples to apples everywhere. Yeah. But everybody tries to make it. But well, it makes for good conversation. Well, it also yeah. it's, it goes back to that everyone's different, and so we totally. shouldn't really judge based on the differences mm-hmm. i don't assume that anybody wants to live like i love living here but i don't assume that i need to convince everybody else how great california is that's true. Yeah. i'm stoked mm-hmm. to be here i hope everybody finds a place that they're that stoked with yes that's a good way to put is. it that's that's sort of the 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 long and the short and the book end of it so <laughs> so back to the next wave of of cars so you think crossover. you don't think you think the crossover thing is going to come and go because there's there's it's almost just seems like that's every everything I think the broad appeal of it will work for a while, uh, just like everything sort of does, but in the same way that now people are super stoked to have a suburban, an old suburban, because, yeah. oh, wow, it's, it's this amount of space for this amount of money. It's the problem with manufacturing vehicles, most designers that really work in the industry, or especially engineers, are aware of this. You're constantly uh, splitting the difference. There's compromises to everything. So are you getting the best version of, it's like, 60% good of all these elements because we're trying to appeal to mass market. Now, sometimes what that ends up breeding is a more focused vehicle down the road or a brand to kind of go, especially in the case of now, you kind of go, all right, maybe in 10 years, Ford will be like, we're going to go back to Ford Classic. We're just going to offer trucks and sedans and sports cars. We're going to get back to the basics. Yeah. So everything can come in a wave and it mm-hmm. can also work to their advantage with marketing too. Because if you come out with something new, you have everybody who's old thinks it's the stupidest thing that's ever come out. You should go back to making the Corvette the way it should be, (laughs) you know? So that is inevitable, but you're bringing in a whole new set of people. 
but you get to play into a new set of nostalgia in 10 years for another mm, set yeah, of people. Yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of So everything has to work in waves, not only because people's interests are different, and of course, younger and younger people that are buying stuff, their expectations of vehicles are so much different. I think one thing that is going to be hard to tell is going to work really well, especially functionally with time, is giant computer screens in these cars. I don't oh, like yeah. I just don't think they're going to work. I know live that I sound long. like the old guy now, right? I, 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 <laughs> I get it. But Tesla did it. Yeah. And then every other manufacturer started. But the problem with like other manufacturers is it doesn't look like it belongs there. It's mm. just yeah, some are stuck thought. on, some mm. are integrated. Yeah. There, there um, are some like Mercedes is doing really nice. There's like they're it's the whole thing. It's not just a this computer yeah. slapped into the dashboard. Mm -hmm. It's like it is more integrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I don't know that an idea like that will live long. I think give a handful of years and yeah, you know, I think everyone goes, we're bringing back the knobs, and you're like, fuck yeah, which yeah. is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, knobs. Yeah, have, you have to have knobs. Yeah. Physical knobs are so important. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of car manufacturers are learning that though. I don't have new. I mean, I have the Ford Maverick. Yeah, nothing. But I mean, like <laughs> I've listened to a lot of podcasts where they talk about that. Yeah, where they're Cars did go away with, they went to the screens and mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, oh, we actually need a volume button. We need some basics here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's forwards and backwards. So I think that's how all design trends go. They want to skew one way, especially on a full range of vehicles. Cause you kind of, as a, as a focused brand, you kind of go, all right, for the next five, six years, we're going to, we're going to develop all our technology this way. So that all of our range seamlessly looks like this. Mm -hmm. We don't offer the Tacoma as the only one with a thing that's got buttons. We offer everything with a screen so that our entire product range looks uniform. Yeah. Um, and then we can bring back classic Coke later on. Uh, and, uh, and then people can be excited about buttons. Like it's this new thing. Mm -hmm. That's how marketing works. There's so <laughs> much, I would love to just go on the inside of it. You know what I mean? Cause like even the people, what they're developing now, and the, the the research they're doing now is for like twenty years. From yeah, now. we don't even know yet. Yeah, yeah. They've already made certain decisions and certain trends that are going to go one way. Mm -hmm. Now so. it is up to consumers to decide what they like, but it is also up to the branding and the marketing to sell it to people in a way that this is hip and cool. This is the future. Mm -hmm. But the future is about three year span, and then people go, all right, well, what's coming next? You know, mm -hmm. now yeah. that this, mm -hmm. you know, there's not a new model necessarily every every year like there used to be. I mean, how long has Toyota made the same forerunners and Tacomas right. like they're mm -hmm. essentially the same, or even the uh, the Nissan the G35, like the latest yeah, version we got. Gonna, is that retiring soon? I don't You're know. More but seeing the that. newest version, I went, oh wow. It's, it's the like same. Old, yeah. yeah. And they made a big old reveal about it. And it was you're pretty like, impressive. I thought, well, that's, it's cool that, that, and I mean, there's a lot of uh, inbuilt support for it, so I can see why. But when you launch like that, you're sort of setting up an expectation that you're not going to meet right away. You have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which, it, you know, it's a great car, so yeah. why not? I mean, you know, if it works, it works. But I don't think many people expect it to go that way. Kind of like the Supra... BMW debacle, yeah. like you were either yeah. you either are okay with it and <laughs> no. you're like this is awesome, or you're just like you hate it and and I personally like it. Oh, I mean, I'm it's the, grown on me. I'm the yeah. latter where yeah. I don't I don't hate it. It's not like, like ah, but it just like the Toyota makes so many cool motors. <laughs> yeah, they could have. Yeah. I don't know if that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a but BMW also makes amazing motors. That's mm -hmm. true. So it's like. Yeah, but I get it. I think it's. Um, I actually like commend Nissan quite a bit for the Z thing because like yeah. they made every, it's their own thing. Like, yeah, they didn't rely on anything else. But I'm fascinated with new cars. I'm also fascinated when people they try to bring the nostalgia back, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it mm. doesn't. Yeah. And like, mm -hmm. 
And then the opinions, I like watching people's opinions and, and how they talk What's amazing about, about nostalgia vehicles now, say like the Bronco and the Defender, is these are so expensive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For the, to buy the nostalgia, you're parting with 100 grand. Yeah. But like, they also make prints like the Bronco 2 <laughs> that's Sport. True. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's true. That's the, the, that's that's the, the print. print. Yeah. The but print you, is the Bronco gotta, Sport. When you see them on the road, especially here because it's a high volume of stuff like that, you just kind of like, you're kind of like, ah. Oh, Good for you. You know, you got the, you got one. Yeah. Mm. You know, you got what you could get. Yeah, because you know? I'm the type where, like, I look at the Bronco and I really like it. I think it, they did really, really yeah. good. Yeah, it's cool. And, um, but I'm like, but I'm not going to buy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I had the money, maybe, but at the same time, I'm just like, no, I don't, I'm just like, congratulations, you got what you want. Yeah. It's like one of those things where you're like, trying, like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then you just kind of move you on. Kind of forget about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a G Wagon. Yeah, like a G wagon. Yeah, yeah, that's a very similar. A lot similar. of G wagons here. Yeah, a lot of G wagons, a lot of Broncos. Notice around here, there's a lot of Raptors. Dude, there's a lot. Like I f- Orange County feels like when you move here, they must give you some type of Porsche. Like it's automatic. <laughs> uh-huh. Everybody here has one. It's the best way to blend into a parking lot. That's funny. It's ridiculous. There's Southern California is very different region to region. Yeah. Is it very different region to region? But at least. Yeah, yeah, you know, Broncos are one way or G-Wagons or something else and, and Porsches and stuff like that. But at least it's all cool. That's like that one true. thing. At, traveling cool. and going to all these states, like on the way here, we probably pass a couple supercars, you know, some some really cool off-road stuff, like all of these different things. And you're kind of like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. But as we travel and go to different places and you're driving, there's like nothing cool. It does get pretty thin when you hit the middle of the yeah. country. Yeah, just about. Just yeah. about. I noticed that. I noticed... Uh, like, you know, um, I notice that like, cause I'll do that a lot. Like I'll just see interesting things, take a quick video, make it a story. And I've noticed, I started noticing other people have been doing it, but I do notice that the people I know in, in places like the Midwest or the South or, you know, those type of places when they find something and they're like, Oh, this is cool. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure about that? <laughs> Grand Am? How many miles does that have? <laughs> but then again, hold on. I'm gonna tell on myself because, like, that's a, you know that's rude of me to say that. But I'm also gonna tell on myself because if I see like a '93 Accord wagon, I'm all. We all like what we like. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, for sure. And I get wagons it. are cool. If they could, the trend could swing back to wagons. No, oh, yeah, it would not. It may. I think. I think wagons is probably a more predictable conclusion to the crossover. I oh, think. wouldn't that be funny? You you just said that full circle. Yeah. Like like things mm-hmm. come out and then they come back. Like we're it's gonna like be a back in station. Only wagons. lower. That's yeah. cool. They've you just easy to get into. They've tried. The, You're like right. Acura tried. Yeah. Um, more recently, Buick tried. That's right. Mm. Buick had made a wagon, and it was, and I I didn't know this, and it came across my timeline, and I was like, what? And I started researching. I was like, this is a cool, cool car, but Buick made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes like, it slightly less cool yeah, in some yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> Porsche makes a um, well, it's more of like a shooting brake, but uh, yeah. but it does a four door. It's close to what we would call a station wagon. It's sort of estate like, but it's mm-hmm. it's really cool. But I have been told that it didn't sell well in the United States. There's just yeah. something about that shape. That well, I think SUVs killed the wagon. Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, I don't sure. think I, that's a fact. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It uh, always surprises me how many people around here have SUVs. It's like. It's flat here. There's no dirt. There's no mud. <laughs> what, are you, what are you going on? And it's one bumps? person in a Suburban. <laughs> yeah, I know. An XLT. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest. The best. Yeah. Yes. That's why I love the Maverick. Everyone's the like, Maverick is tight. Like, it's perfect is what yeah. it is. Yeah. It does 95% of what I need. Yeah. Anything I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, get what you like. It just... Yeah, just, do what you want. Yeah, I know. I realized. Buy the cars you want. Buy the R. No matter what you do, people are going to judge you. And it'll probably be us. We will judge you. Hopefully it's For sure. We're we're kind of we're a little judgy. That's yeah. all right. 
all the all of our listeners I think like. It's, I think it's fine as long as it's comical in jest. Oh yeah, and in jest, and anybody. and with a little bit of fun behind it, yeah. and and also like I just did like kind of telling on yourself sometimes, yeah, you know, okay. like you yeah. can't criticize without oh, I taking. I can't tell some, you how many times I'm like, is that a Fiero? Is that a is that a Corvair? Like, uh, it's like the old. You did have a you. Corvair thing for a while. Yeah, I love Corvairs. I've had Fieros too. Yeah, I've had a lot of crappy cars that I <laughs> loved. But, yeah, that nobody just, else loved. And I thought you know it was the I, coolest thing ever. You know what I saw at the show last night? We we were a show up in uh, by his house up in Hesperia or Victorville or Apple Valley, Same. whatever. Where have you lived? The High Desert. <laughs> and uh, a first generation MR2 rolled in. Damn. Oh, that's right. Freshly painted. Yeah. And I was like. I, I love MR2s. Yeah, those are cool guys. I, the second gen MR2s are my favorite. Nice. But the first gens are cool just because they're That's just true. different. They mm-hmm. were, yeah. The, the third gen are terrible in my opinion. <laughs> well, the, 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 the second gen was like a little more round. It was more round. Yeah. And it was yeah. fast. You, and you can That's make true. them really fast. They were they're good looking cars. They were. were. And then mm-hmm. the, I don't know what they were thinking with that third generation. Oh, yeah. Thing. That was the weird bubbly headlight one. Fr- I think they were front wheel drive too. Hmm. Or were they real? No, maybe they were. It was mid-engine. No, I think they were real. I don't know much Rear-wheel drive, but they were just not cool. Fast. Yeah, <laughs> that had an interesting look to them. But yeah, it's just I mean, a lot of manufacturers sort of these days haphazardly use a recognized uh, name on a car that probably shouldn't have it on there. Oh man, are you oh, talking about yeah. like the Blazer? Yeah, shit yeah, like that. Like that. Yeah, I mean, just playing. You just people. missed the mark. Yeah, well, the Blazer is <laughs> an interesting one that I see people complain about a lot. Because they only think of the full-size Blazer. They don't remember mm. that Blazer also made a compact Blazer. Yeah. Yeah. And if you made now a recent compact Blazer, it would be round just like mm, that. Uh, that's a good point. But that's why I do like the Maverick. And even the Bronco Sport, I don't hate because they made it, they gave it structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, same with like the new Tundras, the new Tacomas. They gave it, even the Land Cruisers. Do you like those? Did, did you see the oh, new you, you was talking about the Defender, the new Defenders. The, the new Defenders are the same way, but like the new Land Cruiser they just came out with. Is, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, very, at least said Land Cruiser. That's pretty Defender. nostalgic. Duh. Yeah. But it's the same way. They're, they're, they went against the grain a little bit, and it has like, you know, it has got a snout. It's got a hood. It's got a windshield. It's not one motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah. got a shape to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's fun watching new cars try new things and mm-hmm. also... Do you and do you see that from like an artist perspective? Like you can like you can look at a car and you can tell like you know what? Oh, they put some they put some thought into that. Sure, one. most of the time it's those people definitely went to art school mm-hmm. or car design school because a lot of the stuff that's on the road today looks the same because a lot of these people graduate from the same schools, they have the oh, same teachers, they have the same oh, they're, that's they're really great on the same critique. Um, so and I mean like I said, for a lot of manufacturers pull from each other inspiration and they have for years, but they're <laughs> There are a lot of people that come out of the same schools that get into the industry. I never uh, even thought about that, but you're right. <laughs> and then that'd be interesting to be the teacher who was like, like I, that's all me out there. Uh, yes, this 30 <laughs> years of vehicles is because I was a professor at this school. Yeah, and I really like yeah. these type of headlights. It's not a bad thing, but it is difficult to be in any creative field where you're, you're assessed based on your ability for someone to say you did a good job. Or based on sales, right? Because you're yeah. essentially... You so you go to like L.A. art school, right? It's like the really, really big one, right? Yeah. So you go there, you gr- you get into a uh, a career of designing cars, and you're almost forced to draw what's gonna sell. You do have to assimilate a little bit. Yeah. You know your expectation. I mean, unless you go to like a uh, you know Austin Martin or anything like that, where you're given yeah, a little bit probably a little yeah, bit yeah, exactly. more mm-hmm. creative freedom or, or anything like that, but um. I mean, if you go to work for Toyota or Chevy or something like that, and you're just there to design the 
next crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and a lot of the concept is the, the concept artwork is more exciting than the production vehicle because that's really where the artistry is before there's engineers kind of come along and find a, the right way mathematically to make these ideas work. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably where it's fun for the artist. Yeah. Because well, their ideas plus to, or minus. Plus or minus, but their yeah. idea is to kind of go as far as they can this way of and course. then they're reeled back in by mm-hmm. the, the manufacturer this yeah. way to where Yeah, you do. Yeah, it does keep you in check because Do you know any of any designers in the industry like that? I know a lot of people that work in the industry, yeah. Um, people that are either retired or um, some young people in it. Um, and it is, there's a weird hierarchy kind of in that system. Yeah. You know, you're not going to graduate college necessarily and become the lead designer at a major manufacturers. You work your way up, you know. So the people that are really the lead designers have, have been with the company for decades and years. So you really have to earn your way up. Um, and especially within a company because every company has a visual identity and your ability to kind of bring that up. And a lot of it is, well, I guess it's different by manufacturer. You know, there'll be a lot of, there's team designers, there's a lead designer, and you're pitching ideas and, you know, maybe we'll use this guy's idea for this part or this guy or they'll decide the team, everybody independently is going to come up with ideas like uh, the 911-996 when they went to Watercold. They had, I think they did three different art teams and then the lead designer picked we're going to go with your idea. And oh, so wow. they won. That's the vehicle that went to production. So there's some competitiveness within it, um, which is good. But at the end of the day, you're, you work with a manufacturer, uh, hopefully that you like, because your job is to elevate and bring their, uh, their brand look style forward continuously, which is difficult. I think what a lot of people don't see when they're going through school, and I never went to school, but I've got glimpses from other people is that uh, you're more likely to be designing door handles when you get out of college than anything. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ground up work. Some people get lucky, uh, but there is, when it comes to design and car design, there's a billion layers to the job. Gotcha. So being the lead exterior designer still has a tiered system um, versus interior or these other exterior features. You might be the headlight guy. There, there's a lot which, of range. Which is interesting in itself. That yeah. They're like, as an artist, if you if you if you're still an artist, definitely. And that's just there's so many different career paths. There is, and you can mm-hmm. specialize and be focused. Um, or you know, say it's a company where that's that's the the tier system. You're gonna have to go through all these before you can, you know, prove yourself within a company. Yeah. You said um, that you didn't go to school. You didn't go to art school or anything like that. No, I didn't you're, even go to college. You're completely self-taught. I mean, as much as anyone can be self-taught, I guess. Well, I mean, trial and error. Yeah, yeah. Staring I, what at I mean is, you just never stuff? had any like formal training. No, you never. Not at all. Wow, that's, yeah. that's really cool. Thank you. I think the one advantage that I had to not going to college is that my overhead wasn't high when I got started. I had no college debt. Oh, uh-huh. I didn't start out owing any money, money. Mm-hmm. Um, which, from from my point of view, is easy. And then I kind of go, okay, I'm at, at zero baseline. The only thing that I need to do is participate in my practice regiment regularly. Mm-hmm. That's it. Make sure I'm always focused on getting better at whatever it is I'm trying to do. Do you think that there is like some room for that formal training for some people? I think uh, depending on your personality type, it's more important for some people than others because some people really need the structure of a classroom setting. Um, but drawing fundamentally and doing paintings and then car design are equally spaced tiers. Mm-hmm. They overlap, but they're independently different skills. Um, so yes, so depending on the field that you're going into, some, some formal training is really important. But I do think that, especially for art, uh, in today's world, you could learn everything you want for free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Why don't you spend a hundred grand 
and four years of your life out of school when you can you could really be practicing that you could do in your free time. You could practice stuff in your free time mm-hmm. passionately for free. But some people really need a classroom structure. In yeah, because I, I have a buddy who's a comic book artist and he was good at he was good at art. But then he needed the formal training to like understand perspectives mm-hmm. and he needed that. He needed like he couldn't marry the two together, yeah, like his that. talent and, and the I guess the the nuts and bolts on how something works, you know. And you think that's where like a good instructor comes in? Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah. You know, I'm, there's probably more good than bad. I would. Assume. I hope so. Yeah, I like um, to think so. Yeah, so they can kind of help guide that person along. I always the the college conversation comes up quite a bit, and I always uh, try to tell people to look towards their community colleges mm-hmm. before anything else, because usually that's the least amount of debt. That is in, true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a the quote unquote universities are. Yeah. Without a doubt. That was initially where I was going to start was the community college uh, in Maryland where I was at. The problem for me was, and I tried it for all of like six weeks before I just went insane is that um, I didn't like where I went to school and where I lived. And I was in college with the same people. Uh, Yeah, that's true. So you're just like, yeah, this isn't working for me. I just, this doesn't. uh, So you could, you could seek out community college. There's millions of different. I should have gone to a non-local community college. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I should not have gone to the one that was closest to me. Yeah, you, you can kind of do the research on where a good art art classes are, and then whether or not you want to live in that area. Totally, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And that's my, probably my first trip to California. Actually, was to an art school that I got accepted to. Oh, oh really? Yeah, I'd never been to California before, and I got accepted to the art institute. And I think it was Santa Ana. I don't know if it's still there. Um, and I got accepted. Uh, my mom and I flew out to check, check it out. And it was a couple years after I graduated high school. So I was already working uh, in the collision industry but, and already not feeling like that was where I wanted to go. Um, even though it seemed like steady income, oh, you, can, you will always have a job in the collision industry if you do body and paint. Uh, but I kind of knew I wanted to design cars. So I got accepted, came out here. Um, and thank goodness I did. And thank goodness I didn't go. Uh, so it was accepted, but it was really prohibitively expensive mm-hmm. to come out here. Um, and go to school and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the cost of school, the cost of, of living and moving, even though I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one person, it's not like I take up much space. Mm-hmm. But it would be such a big change up financially, and I didn't have the income to back that up or anything like that. But I'm still grateful for the trip because I got to see Huntington Beach, and I got to see Orange County, and I was like, I know exactly where I want to yeah, be. Yeah, you're like, yeah. I want to be here. Yeah. It actually works. So you, you in the beginning of our conversation, you said that like it's important to get out where you're from to find out where you want to be. Even if you come back. And that's was that I was going to follow that because that's my scenario is I grew up here. I mean, not here in Orange County or L.A. or the beach. I'm, I'm out in the desert more. But I still grew up in this area yeah. being exposed to this stuff. But it was important for me to go to the other places to realize, oh, yeah, I like it here. Sometimes it's better. Yeah. So it, but it have you guys experienced Surprise Arizona? <laughs> yes, I <laughs> have. I mean, <laughs> you can't beat it. We, we were there a month it. ago, There's and I was dying. Strip malls. Mm-hmm. Is there? Yeah, yeah. Chain, ref- is chain restaurants. Is it on uh, rank with, like, Pahrump, Nevada? <laughs> Speaking of Prump, we've spent time in Prump. Yeah, we have. There's a car show there that we have spent time there. Yeah. Wow. You and other ten people. I will rank Surprise above Prump. Yeah, I would. (laughs) I would rank slightly below Newport Beach. Slightly below. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. Just a tad. The only reason I even know Prump is a place is because of Mars Attacks. The movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool movie. Landed. Otherwise, I'd have thought they just made it up. Yeah, it does sound like a made-up name. It does sound. (laughs) Prump. 
we were just talking to to Jap and his wife yesterday about how stoked we're at the, because that show was usually at Stateline, uh, oh, California. Okay, right, yeah, yeah at, at those there, casinos yeah, there was, right there. There's a show our buddies throw that usually at Stateline, mm-hmm. and they moved it to Prump because okay. Stateline closed for a while. Right. Gotcha. And we went a couple of years, and we're like, we can't wait to be back. <laughs> it was. It, it was. There was definitely an effort made to make it fun, and it was fun. But you it's know, the locals were interesting. The that locals would come up to our booth. And talk to us. Very yeah, nice. it was very interesting. It was, it was, it was interesting. Is a good way to put it. <laughs> Sorry always, for tall those who live in Pahrump, Nevada. <laughs> it's always All fun to experience yeah. different things, whether it's for a day, yeah, or if you want to experience for the rest of your life. But there's so much variety in the entire country. I think getting pent up in one place is just means you need to yeah. go see something else. Yeah, because uh, there's yeah. so much to choose from. Yeah, a lot of people say that that you you have to at some point in your life go out and experience it. Like yeah. I said, even if you come back, you mm-hmm. go, you know what? Actually, here's pretty good. That's the yeah. thing is you can always come back. You can always come back. We have friends that moved. I have a friend. We, uh, we have a friend that moved to Oklahoma recently. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And he says he loves it. Says. I think he's lying. I think you have to say that when you're talking back. about you, Dave. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, yeah, I think uh, you have to say that to try to convince yourself. Well, maybe they do, obviously. Mm-hmm. But do. I think. I think in any big move, you have to you have to really be in it. You got to really give it a chance. Even That's if also what you want, right? Do you mm-hmm. want just peace and quiet and yeah. tornadoes, I mean, what, or do you it, want? Yeah, but at the same time, you wouldn't move somewhere and and be like, "Fuck, this place sucks." I mean, half the people that move to California seems like that's what they do, but. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't meanwhile tell. they're enjoying the weather. You know. Yeah, you're on the beach. This sucks. Yeah, this yeah. is so terrible. <laughs> it's it's so today. expensive here. Ah, <laughs> I had to park my Rolls Royce somewhere else. That's funny. Well, yeah, cool, man. Well, thank you for sitting down with us. It totally. was really interesting. It was really cool. Was just learn about your art, you, everything. Being in your space is really cool. Yeah. This is all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. And thank if you. anyone, I think it's funny because. I watch a lot of podcasts and they're like, all right, follow this guy on Instagram. And you're just, they're just like, they're already like, they're already being followed. You don't yeah, have to I know. say anything, yeah. but for our, our 200 listeners, uh-huh. uh, Jason Bacon, if you're not following Pinstripe <laughs> Chris, go follow him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, there might, there might be quite a few people that don't follow you mm-hmm. because I've Excellent. actually like, I still have the t the two t-shirts that you des- that you uh, drew. Nice. I um, still print those. It's still like one of the most popular shirts. My, oh, the C10 cool. one, I would probably be forever. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And people, I'm like, oh yeah, uh, Pinstripe Chris did this. And some of them know and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. And so there might be quite a people, quite a lot of people that are listening to this that don't. That's awesome. And you have a very interesting uh, social media like it's entertaining mm-hmm. just to see the talent and what you produce mm-hmm. oh, and, the, thank you. and the process. Yes. Yeah, so follow pinstripe Chris Yep, and make a comment. Cause he'll make a comment back. But yeah, don't ask me to pinstripe anything. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even get into that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll say that for next time. <laughs> yeah. We'll do that next time there. It, and don't ask him to design a t-shirt. Don't no t-shirts, no, no pinstriping, <laughs> no, <rendering>. no prints, <laughs> no renderings. God, he, doesn't actually sound like doesn't, much. he actually doesn't do anything. <laughs> I don't do anything. I'm retired. He just drives this. He just drives this around. Getting coffee. That's it. I'm a coffee connoisseur. That is it. Yeah. He is the modern day Magnum PI. Oh, yeah. Right on. Well, cool. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank me. Thank you. Uh, Lucy. (laughs) Lucy. Lucy Lucy has been hanging out the entire podcast. Thank you. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)